to the Canny Conversations podcast, Conversations with a Cause with social entrepreneur Safraz Ali. He coined a phrase that describes what he does as the mad entrepreneur. That's make a difference entrepreneurship. As well as being the author of the Canny Bites books, Saf's business interests cover health and social care, business and corporate events, as well as him being the CEO of Pathway Group, a welfare to work and skills provider. In each episode, we have a special guest joining SAF in discussion with journalist and broadcaster Adrian Kibler. This week, SAF is joined by Chris Woods from CyberQ Group to talk about keeping safe in a digital world. So, let's join the conversation. Hello and welcome once again to another Canny Conversation, a conversation with a cause that we hope will captivate your curiosity cannily. Uh, and as always, the, the star of the show, Safraz Ali is with us. Saf, how are you doing? Thank you so much. I'm not sure if I'm the star of the show because obviously the topic isn't something that I'm that familiar with, but I'm absolutely intrigued and interested to hear more and learn more. Well, you're out, Sean, today because we've got a real expert with us today. Uh, and we're going to talk about a topic which is massively important for everybody, which is cybersecurity. And this is such a big issue because it affects everybody from, you know, somebody who's just got a, an online bank account to the world's biggest businesses. And we really couldn't have anybody much better to talk to us today about this than Chris Woods. Chris, hello. Hello. How are you doing, Adrian? I'm very well, thank you. And Chris... Before we get into the topic, and we're going to do we're going to do a double header on this one. We're going to talk initially in the first episode largely about some of the very basic things which apply both to business and to uh, individuals, and then we're going to talk about in the, in another episode some of the more specific issues with businesses and some of the big cases where you know people have fallen victim to cybercrime most of our well many of our listeners are in the west midlands here in england but we have uh, listeners all over the uk and we also have people who listen to us in different parts of the world so i think to start with chris briefly and and if you can keep it reasonably brief but tell us a little bit about yourself and your company cyberq group Absolutely. So if I just give you a little bit of background on myself. So I've been in the cybersecurity industry for about 25 years. Uh, I started life uh, working for a company called Fujitsu. Uh, so at Fujitsu, I was a penetration tester, which in essence means I used to hack into systems. Uh, did that for seven years. And then I worked for a company called Hewlett Packard. Um, so I worked for HP for about seven years, doing a similar role, but actually building global capability. I then went out to the Middle East, uh, a place called Qatar, Similar thing in building cybersecurity capability and working with large organisations and governments to protect their data and also their reputation. And then came back five years ago to, to Birmingham to build CyberQ Group. Uh, quickly about CyberQ Group, we're a cybersecurity business based in Birmingham, Manila and also Ohio uh, in the US of A. Right. We couldn't have a much better person to talk to us, could we, Seth? Absolutely. Uh, truly international <laughs> and there's a lot of depth and web, depth of experience there. Thank you very much. Uh, Seth, uh, have you ever been hacked? I, we have been hacked as a business. I, I've also been on the recipient of being hacked as well so a num- for a number of things. And, uh, you know, I can go into it uh, on, a, on, a, on a personal level. My Instagram account got hacked, uh, messages sent out to a number of people, Bitcoin related and, you know, follow this and so forth. It was quite obvious 
to my sort of colleagues, friends who were following my Instagram account that it got hacked. So dealt with that fairly quickly. And then uh, I've also been hacked, uh, nothing financially in terms of bank accounts and things like that, but predominantly social media related uh, and uh, got hacked with Facebook as well a while back. And it was a bit of a nightmare. Um, yeah, I was going to say, so. fortunately, I don't think I have been, but it must be very stressful. Must, even if there's not money involved, it must be awful. I, I was absolutely stressed and uh, had sleepless nights. I mean, for me, my social media is very important in terms of uh, profile and, and the activities that we do. And uh, that did re really worry me. And uh, the amount of evidence that we had to do or upload and send off and, and prove that. And it just, you know, you know, there's a number of days where you're thinking without, uh, you know, without that certainty of what's going to happen. Uh, and I'm th I was thinking to myself, I've got to rebuild my account. I've got to do this. I want to do that. Luckily, in, in both cases, the way they were operating the account, whoever it was, made it look like it was hacked. It was quite obvious. Uh, and uh, what I was what I was worried about is the fact that you know am I going to be able to get this or not and and so forth. Chris, is that a familiar story? I mean, I've got some statistics that tell me that in 2021 there were 400,000 reported cases of cybercrime in the UK. So was SAF just careless, or is this something which happens to a lot of people a lot of the time? Unfortunately, it happens to a lot of people a lot of the time. And I think, as SAF said there, uh, it's the impact mentally, it's your mental well-being when you have your social media attacked, when you have videos about you that's released uh, to the internet. That's a very, very stressful time. And unfortunately, over the last 10 to 15 years, this has just increased. And as the security landscape increases, as more social media sites come online, then it gives more access to hackers to gain access into people's accounts. We work extensively with Birmingham Hospital Saturday Fund, which is looks at mental health and looks at well-being of individuals. And again, work with them to help people. So when they are have been hacked, so they've got someone to speak to, they've got a mechanism to recover their account. And some of the more, should we say, structured approach that you need to do to make sure your account's protected. So fortunately, Saf is not alone. And mm. people, unfortunately, are getting hacked not every day, but every hour. Saf, do you know how it happened? Do you, I mean, looking back in retrospect, and it's hindsight is, is a tremendous thing, but uh, do you know what mistakes perhaps uh, I, I think you made? My, my biggest mistake is having the same type of password uh, across every single uh, uh, sort of login that I have, so email, password. So if, uh, if I've used an email and a password combination, say on a, on a site and that site gets hacked or the the data is re then released there's a fair chance that potentially they can you know my password and email might be the same for other things and i would suggest that's been used uh i now sort of you know i get regular for particularly on you know on a personal level i'm talking i get uh quite regular Facebook email saying somebody's trying to access your your account. Is this is that you? It does alert you. You're thinking, okay, you know what, better press the button to say it wasn't me. That happens on a regular basis. I was just so glad at that time, just the fact that I got the accounts back. I, you know, I make sure now that particularly the passwords are different and uh, it's not the same variation that, that I'm using. So, which is sometimes a bit harder, but uh, I've, I've started using... Uh, uh, one of these apps just to remember the passwords and using the security passwords uh, as opposed to a generic, very easy to sort of remember type password or so forth. So th there's been a, a few changes in, in my own personal habits and how I do things. 
you know, say a two-factor authentication is something that I use for my emails. And there's a few other things that, are, that we're now using as a business as well. You know, it's something that we live with. It's something that I live with on a daily basis. So if I log in to my email, uh, get a text message or a call, um, like like sometimes when now we do with online banking, you get a you get a text message or you get a call and, and you verify the fact that it it is you. I think th- these are sort of things that we're living 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 with now. Chris, give me some very basic advice. And 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 the trouble with these things is, you know, for somebody like you who's an expert in the game, it probably seems so obvious. But you know, Saf's touched on it. You know, security with being careful with the passwords that you use getting an email and you don't know who it's from and, and opening an attachment. Just give us and the businesses and the people listening to us some basic advice. No problem. I think Saf suggested a few. I think two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication uh, is something I know, which is your passwords and something I have been your phone or something that at least gives you some level of assurance that people can't just get into your account with a password. So I think that's a good start. I think a password manager, which I think Saf was alluding to, to have a password manager where actually you don't know the passwords to log into your social media accounts, but you know the password to log yourself into the password manager, but you do that multi-authentication as well. Um, is a really, really good idea. I think it's also being careful. So Saf made the um, the distinction that he'd been onto certain websites that potentially have been involved in breaches, which again uh, means that his password would be available and potentially his personal details, so like his address and his phone number as well. So one has to be careful about which websites they interface with, what information that they give away, uh, and also have a recourse that should that get hacked, that they can actually then make sure they change the passwords or update their personal details for other sites. Um, So there are two fundamental things people can do really, password manager, multi-authentication, I think just going on to the kind of phishing emails that I think, you know, talking about the basics, I think that's worth exploring. We're in an era now where people's privacy and people's data has has never been as large as it is in 2022. And I think people need to bear that in mind. You know, people use social media, they like things, uh, they view certain images. All this information can be used to craft an email to you. And the example I would give is that I used to live out in a place called Qatar, uh, Qatar, sorry, pronounced Qatar, and everybody got a speeding fine. Everybody got a speeding fine. It's what happened, you know, you got a speeding fine once a month. So when you get a phishing email that says you've got a speeding fine um, from the Ministry of Interior, you pay the speeding fine. So if you crafted an email, which we did, um, to certain individuals within that business in Qatar saying you've got a speeding fine, People then gave us their details. They gave us the credit card. They gave us their name, address, pets, names, passwords, whatever we asked because it was a speeding fine and they just automatically did that by default. And we're seeing that a little bit now in our world where we can target an individual and we do this at CyberQ Group. The individual would have a barbecue at the weekend. They would obviously socialise with certain friends. They would talk about their steak, their wine, whatever. And then we could craft an email on the Monday so specific about that weekend because of what we've gleaned off social media that gets them to give us information. That was a great stake. Oh, the wine was absolutely amazing. Uh, please, can you do X, Y, and Z? And just by clicking on a link or just by downloading a, a picture that could contain some malware or some viruses, which in terms helps us get access to laptops. So we just have to be mindful, as well as having good security practice with multi-authentication, making sure you're using password managers, you have to always be on your guard about emails or people trying to extract information for you. I think Saf said his behaviour has changed because... 
if you've been broken into, especially from a, you know, a physical sense, you know how that feels. You know that's a tough feeling. Someone's gone into your bedroom. Someone's gone into your living room. In the cyber world, that's no different. And I would argue it's probably worse because your phone probably contains videos, images of your kids, you know, happy times, which you don't want to share to the wider public. And that's why one has to be on its guard, especially when receiving these emails or engaging the website, also people trying to extract information from as well. So if you're a big user of social media, various platforms, LinkedIn and Facebook and I think Twitter as well, is this something that, that goes through your mind when, you, when you're using social media, when you're posting information? Do, do, does it not concern you that people might be using that nefariously to try and, and build a profile which they can then use in order to try and take on your identity or send you something which convinces you that, you know, they, they know enough about you to, to be legitimate? When you do a posting, do you, do, do, do you think about that? or is it? I, I tell you a couple of times, I was watching a program called The Hunted and, uh, you know, that that is so interesting because they get all the information from public sources and that gets you thinking as well in terms of the, how much information we share the check-ins, the, the likes, the the tagging, you know, when you're tagging your colleagues and so forth, friends, they know your family members, they know your potentially, you know, date of birth as well. I mean, I've taken that bit off and I've, you know, tried to do privacy settings and security settings to take some information out, but they've got a, a lot of information uh, potentially out there. It is a risk. There's no doubt it's a risk. And it's about, you know, how, how you approach approach things. And I'm regarding it as, that's one of those things that, you know, yes, I'm extra careful in terms of what I click and what I log in and where the emails are coming from. We'll go to websites, uh, I look for the um, S in the HTTP, TTPS, I think it's called, where the, yeah, the, the additional thing just to make sure the site is, you know, legit in my eyes. I'm being a bit more conscious, a bit more aware. In terms of the social media, it hasn't changed my habits. You know, I, I, I very rarely uh, check in live at a place now. Uh, what I tend to do is post things after the event. So, you know, for example, we've come here, I wouldn't necessarily check in to say I'm here uh, and make it public that I'm here at the time. And I know some people do that. That's one of my changes that I have had. Uh, but what I will do is probably after the event, maybe the following day or after I've left and maybe gone home or gone to the office, then I might do a tweet and so, yeah, I just had a meeting and so forth. So there's been sort of conscious habit changes you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still sort of social media comfortable in terms of putting stuff out there because it's part of life and part of, you know, being a social CEO. And I'm sure Chris will agree, you know, we've got to get our name out there and, and, and get our message out there because, you know, we believe in our brand and our cause and, and what we do. So I'm not going to hide away from it, but I've been more conscious in terms, definitely in terms of how we approach things. Chris, one of the things that, you know, the modern world enables us to do with our mobile phones, our tablets and our laptop. I used to work on the move from different locations, logging into we're here where we are today or, you know, we go to someone else's office or we're on the train and we log in. I mean, uh, how dangerous is that and how careful should we be when we're logging in in a, in a public place or a place that isn't our, our main office or, or what, what should we look out for? What well, One has to be mindful. Um, so one has to be mindful that if they're logging into a public Wi-Fi, um, that that 
public Wi-Fi could be a man in the middle of the attack. And, and I'll give you an example. So um, one of the kind of penetration tests that we do is that we would go into a hotel and we would look for the local Wi-Fi and then we would masquerade as the local Wi-Fi. So again, let's imagine it's, and again, Hilton. Um, so we know that's Hilton Wi-Fi 123. Then we would masquerade as Hilton Wi-Fi 123. You enter that hotel and you try and connect to the local Wi-Fi, you actually connect to us, which basically means that we have a connection with you. And depending on the vulnerabilities on your laptop, depending on where we are, again, we can get certain information. So again, one has to be mindful. One of the advice I would give for that is VPNs. So again, if you go into any Wi-Fi and you have a VPN, you can actually encrypt your traffic. So even from a, uh, a Wi-Fi perspective, at least then that ensures that any data that you're doing or any kind of emails that you're sending is actually uh, encrypted. So that's also a good thing to do. In regards to kind of physical security, in regards to the kind of CCTVs and people working from home and so forth, again, we've seen attacks where people have logged on to a CCTV inside someone's home and then by logging into the CCTV in someone's home, they're able to view what's happening on their laptop. And again, there's been a recent case around baby monitors. You may have come across that where baby monitors were made from a certain country. Um, they were easily hackable and they can be viewed and they can be viewed from anywhere around the world, which again can be a gap and also a security hazard, especially if you're trying to protect data or reputation. Saf, when you think about um, hackers, when you think about um, cyber criminals, what sort of person do you have in your head? Just describe the person, you know. Th there is a reason for I'm asking this. Yeah. But what, what, what do you think they look like? What do you think their background is, all the rest of it? I'll tell you what I did when I when I did get hacked. I, I typed, every, you know, you go to YouTube and you try information in and so forth. And I, I came across a number of videos where somebody was after the attackers and and these were scam artists as opposed to cyber attack and these were you know going in and, and pretending to be from the bank and trying to get money and all the rest of it and in this particular case it was all foreign in terms of you know south asia uh, in, in this particular case it was india the philippines those sort of countries and you start thinking russia you start thinking these sort of countries that are coming in but what, what i found in terms of you know the personal attacks that we've been involved with in terms of the company and so forth mostly it's people local you know is connected to you or there's some sort of link or so, or so forth. I've had people where, you know, somebody's, you know, um, not in, a, in my particular case, but a colleague's case where it's a family member who's gone in and done so. So, you know, we, we, we can't just assume, and, and, you know, we have this thing that it's all people in a faraway land, you know, who are doing all of these undercover. And you start thinking, you know, like international Russia and China and all of this. And it may not be the case. I mean, you know, Chris probably help us a little bit more in terms of the numbers or, you know, the, the you know, where it is. But my mind is now completely open. It could be anybody. It could be, you know, your friend. It could be a colleague. It could be any individual. And it's like, you know, you wouldn't leave your wallet around. And for me, that's, it's the same thing. You wouldn't leave your phone now open without a, a pin. And, and similar, similarly, you wouldn't leave your credit cards or debit cards out there. And I, and I would be extra careful in terms of, you know, laptops and these sort of devices just to be on the safe side. The fact that, you know, you are taking as much precaution that you can and, and being a, a bit more mindful than, you know, how we think, how we used to do things uh, a few years back. Okay, Chris, is there a, a typical hacker or, or is, you know, is Saf right in saying, you know, it could almost be anybody and this idea that, you know, a hacker is sort of somebody with a brain the size of Jupiter in Russia or China or somewhere else. Is there a typical 
cyber criminal or do they all look and feel and sound different? They all look and sound different. There isn't a typical hacker per se, but the best way to comprehend and just kind of understand the different threat axes you get really uh, very high level is four. One of, the, one of the four levels that you'd have is you'd have a hacktivist. So a hacktivist, what's their motivation? What are they trying to do? A hacktivist is trying to get a cause out. So they may be talking about the green agenda, so they may go after petrol companies and they may want to say a message. It's a different motivation, a different attack vector, and also it's a different method of what they're after, the end goal. So hacktivism would be one. You then have organised crime. So organised crime is insidious and it's about the money. And organised crime can be as simple as they would ransomware an organisation and demand to be paid some bitcoins. We've seen certain websites that have been hacked previously, um, especially people that deliver mental health services. So once they get access to, to companies like that, they then can go after the individuals. And again, they can blackmail the individuals for some bitcoins so they can get data and get paid. I mean, organised crime, um, there's various quotes that it could be worth 100 billion, it could be worth a trillion. And, and organised crime isn't just about going to the banks. It's about stealing data. It's about stealing intellectual property. And I can give you a, a quick example. If, if you're in a hedge fund and you can get access to a spreadsheet and that spreadsheet will tell you a series A, series B, a series C investment, that's worth millions. It's absolutely worth millions. And that's organised crime. And organised crime, they won't hack your website. They won't hack your social media. They'll be very quiet. They'll be very insidious. And again, they'll get the data. They'll get the information that they need and then they'll disappear. Thirdly, you then get insider threat, which unfortunately over the last five to 10 years, we've seen an increase. And the insider threat is just individuals getting access to information. And over the last three or four years, especially on the dark web, you have a marketplace. The marketplace is no different to Amazon. You know, it's literally you can sell stuff and you can buy stuff. So if you've got access to a database and that database contains customer information, contains financial information, contains invoicing, that could be quite exciting for your competitors. And if you go to a marketplace to advertise that, and again, you put a single information about what you've got, you could get some Bitcoins for that information. And again, we're seeing a lot around the insider threat increasing as well. And then fourthly, what we have going on with Russia and the Ukraine at the moment, state-sponsored. Now, I think we're all old enough and wise enough to understand that governments hack each other. And we should be surprised by that. And we're seeing some of that play out in Russia and Ukraine at the moment. So going back to the question of trying to understand and comprehend what a hacker looks like, a hacker can look like different things, different motivations and different end goals to get what they need. And again, that's important, especially when you think about who's after you, you as a business or you after an individual. Now, you know, would the Russian state be after you, Adrian? I don't know your background on history. Maybe. <laughs> or would it be organised crime or would it be an insider, probably organised crime because they want to extract money out of you. So it's understanding your risk profile, understanding your background and also your business, and then you can start putting a defence around that. Um, yeah, that's interesting, Chris. Podcasts, of course, um, they go on the platforms and they stay there forever. If, uh, so just, just, just for the benefit of our listeners, we're, we're, we're recording this particular podcast in the early part of 2022 uh, at the time when... There's a lot of tension between the West over fear of a, a Russian invasion uh, of Ukraine, and that's the reason why Chris has specifically talked about that. Saf, you're an intelligent man, aren't you? 
Sometimes I don't feel it. I didn't feel it when I when my Instagram got hacked. You're, you're, you're a businessman, <laughs> Seth. You're you're in the prime of your life. Would that all be fair? Mm, maybe no comment. Oh no no no! I think you are. But Seth. thank you so much. The, yeah, the, what I'm driving you. at, Seth, is yeah. would you see yourself perhaps as being somebody who's perhaps least vulnerable because you know you're bright and you're switched on and, and all the rest of it. And I ask you that question, Seth, because. What age group would, if I asked you the question, Saf, what age group would you think would be most vulnerable to a cyber attack? Mm, okay, that's very that's very interesting. I mean, sometimes when you think about cyber attack, I mean, I keep thinking the the, the sort of scam artists in terms of trying to uh, get money off you and get your credit cards and trying to convince you to buy something and and say you know transfer the money over. So my mind automatically thinks to that and starts thinking some of the elderly people who sometimes get hooked into buying things or you know giving their details. And so I've I've got to mentally take that out of my mind and say, uh, in, in, in terms of my experience, it's been younger people uh, in terms of my personal experience, um, particularly in terms of our office, who've clicked on things. You know, I'll give you an example where there, you know, there's an individual um, uh, a year ago who, who thought he had received an email from me and uh, and said something along the lines of, I need you to do something. Um, you know, this is something urgent. You know, I trust you to to do this. You know, I want to take this conversation privately. Give me your telephone number or, you know, and the, the, move, the conversation moved away from the email onto a WhatsApp. And from the WhatsApp, uh, in this particular case, the person wanted some vouchers, Amazon vouchers. Um, and, you know, the, the, the graduate... Got, got fooled and I was, you, know, you start thinking you know you're, you're automatically thinking they're more IT savvy but it's sometimes they have a mindset of not necessarily being that extra cautious and and just you know going going ahead with it so in that particular case it was younger people in our office we're continuously getting people to understand and be be aware of emails because they they get attacked uh, or they get emails coming in for different things and asking for information i want to bring you in here chris because i i've read some statistics and and i don't know whether perhaps you'd like to say if you think it's right or not but the people who are most vulnerable to cyber attack are those aged between 20 and 39 now that is just not what i would have expected I would have thought the most vulnerable people would be older people who were perhaps less tech savvy. We spoke earlier in our conversation about, you know, what what, what a typical cyber crook looked like. Um, is there such a thing as a, as a typical cyber victim? And do you think there are any particular age groups um, or socioeconomic groups or, or gender who are particularly vulnerable? Oh, no, I think I think anyone can be attacked. And I think depending on the amount of time, amount of effort, uh, and also sophistication, I think anyone can be extracted information or give away their details that they should do. I think the first thing to state is that there is no silver bullet in cybersecurity. There's no such thing as 100% security. It doesn't exist. And, and we say that as a cybersecurity company, a global business, looking after billion-dollar clients. There's no such thing as 100% security. It doesn't surprise me the stat that you've just read out. There's the younger people are more affected. And there's a couple of reasons for that. I think if you think of, uh, I'm 45, so I kind of was brought up in the internet. But again, in regards to giving information, going onto social media, using tech for everything, 
That really wasn't my generation, but it is the generation today. So people will sign up for things, people give information, people will deal with each other on WhatsApps rather than phone calls, etc. So it doesn't surprise me that that generation, dare I say, are probably more susceptible um, to cyber crime and people trying to extract information. The older generation a little bit more tech savvy. You know, we, we still like the old kind of text messages. Uh, me and you have traded text messages today. Again, we're still a little bit cautious about the information that we give away. And again, um, you know, if people are asking us certain questions, we do go back, well, actually, let's think about this more so than the younger generation because we haven't been brought up with this. So it doesn't surprise me, but to answer your question, is the particular age group, social economic group, I'd say anyone. And, you know, part of some of the engagements that we do, uh, just to give you a quick example, when we do physical attacks onto buildings, we do something called digital human reconnaissance, which is background checks on the individual. So we found out the secretary had just recently given birth. We can then leverage that information. And we can then, and we did leverage that information. My wife's just had a baby, isn't it great? We can then get an instant report. We can talk about babies and what we're doing, et cetera. I then need to ask her a favour. I then need to ask her to open the door for the CEO for me. She's going to do that because we've built a report, because we understand her background. We're linked, we've formed a close relationship. She's just going to let me in. And then on the back of that, I've got access to the information that I, that I need as well. Now that's very straightforward. It's very thorough and it's a background check. And that goes back to the point, the right time, the right motivation, investigation, any individual can be hacked. Talking about time, we're running a little bit short of time, but the whole purpose of, of our podcasts is to provide information that is helpful mm. to, to people. So before we finish, stuff, I just want to ask you, there, there are various, you know, antivirus programs that you can buy and install. Uh, and I don't want you to give any specifics that might make you in any way vulnerable, but, but, but I assume that you as an individual use these programs. Some of them are free, some of them you, you pay for. Uh, and as part of that sort of closing discussion, uh, Chris, could you give us some advice or some guidance in terms of what one should look for in, in an antivirus program? But first of all, Sam, how familiar are, familiar are you with the various uh, programs that are available? The thing there is that uh, uh, because of my role and the, the, the job that I have, uh, my laptop is a, is a company laptop uh, and that's got certain functions, certain security functions as well. I can't switch it on without uh, putting another device in. I, ha I have a sort of a keyboard that I've got I to gotta log in because our, our sector that we work in, we work, we supply to government and we have to have certain levels of minimum security levels because somebody can access my laptop. If I lose the laptop, they can access that. So those sort of things are covered for me. So we have an IT manager, we have an IT team, we have, uh, we also have an outsourced organization that comes in and does regular checks and gives us reports. So I'm not necessarily procuring as a consumer or buying these things as a consumer you know our licenses are purchased we you know we get that our budget i know i can tell you has for it has gone up quite considerably these licenses have gone up quite considerably the tools that we need to get have gone up quite a bit i, I can't talk from a personal perspective in terms of you know what you know i'm buying mcafee or this that another because it's all part of the package that our it company does and we do do penetration tests quite regularly we're part of 
Cyber Essentials. We signed up to, we're working towards Cyber Essentials Plus, we're working towards ISO 27001. These are sort of standards we're working to because we're working in that sort of supply chain structure uh, and handling personal information for people, learners, and, uh, you know, with, with, with government departments. So I've got to pass on a personal basis, but just to share with you the sort of experience that we have had. Chris, um, I'm a small business, perhaps a micro business. Are, are there antivirus and protective measures that I can either purchase or have free and download onto my system? You know, are, are they any good? Is there anything I should particularly look out for? I think I think there's a few things. Uh, and I think, that, you know, rather than go through an exhaustive list, I think there's three things you can do um, that will give you instant benefit. I think there's antivirus, so without naming any, if you, there's antiviruses you can download free, they will give you instant protection. So that's from malware, that's from phishing links, etc. So for me, that's a bit of a no-brainer. Most people have laptops these days. You encrypt the laptop, so you can use something called BitLocker, which is free of charge. So if the laptop ever goes missing, ever gets stolen, the data on there is secure. And I think thirdly is multi-authentication, uh, multi-factor authentication. So the ability to look at things where when you log into your email account, when you log into other accounts, that you're just not using your password, you're using something else as well. I think there are three things that any micro business or any individual actually could do that makes a massive ramification into protecting them as individuals, protecting the business. And finally, and I mean unfinally, but I think this is so important. When you go down to the, you know, the local refuge tip, you, you, you see old computers there. I mean, what, what, what should you do if you're disposing of a, of a computer to make sure there isn't something left on there that somebody can use against you? So I would take the hard drive out and smash it. <laughs> and you can do that in various ways. The hard drive can potentially contain information depending on how you've deleted that. But what we do with most businesses that we get involved in is you just take the hard drive out. And it's usually for a laptop quite simple to do. It's not, you know, screws and so forth. Take the hard drive out and physically dispose of the hard drive and then just get rid of the laptop. Because the hard drive contains the information. It contains your data. If it's encrypted, that's fantastic. And there is things you can do to make sure it's clean. They are a little bit technical, but the best way is to take the hard drive out, dispose of it in the best way fashion. That could be a magnet, big hammer, whatever whatever you feel like. And then the laptop, you can just dispose it as, as you would with, with anything really. So that would be my advice. Safi's been marvellous, hasn't he? Absolutely, a lot of gems there. So, so many things there, nuggets of gold. But it just, you know, either it's going to scare you or it's going to get you more interested in this topic and it affects us all. You know, it is something that affects us all and we need to be aware. And this is what you wanted to do, Saf, wasn't it, with these conversations? You know, provide thoughts and ideas, but also some really, really valuable information that's going to save people a lot of pain uh, and potentially a lot of mental stress. Uh, and this guy's done that, hasn't he, today? Absolutely, Chris. I, I, you know, as I said, you know, really pre appreciate the fact that you're here. And I'm glad the fact that you're one of my contacts that I can, I can, I can, I can lean on and, and go to as well. And, uh, I really appreciate your 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 support today. No, thank you, Seth, and thank you, Adrian, for the invitation. Uh, we're going to bring this. <laughs> we're going to bring this canny conversation with a cause to a close. We're going to curtail it, but we are going to be back with Chris. We've talked today a lot about some of the the, the personal things that individuals can do, and that's important. Uh, and some of it applies to business, but we're going to be talking to Chris. He's, he's so kindly agreed to come back and talk to us about some of the more, um, if you like, the bigger business type issues behind this fascinating and deadly subject. 
we'd like your feedback. We'd love you to like us. And uh, and if you've enjoyed what you've listened to, uh, we'd love you to subscribe. Uh, we want you to keep safe and to keep cyber safe until the next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this canny conversation with the cause. These conversations are based upon the Canny Bites books by Safraz Ali, available on Amazon. To find out more, go online and visit Saf's website, pathwaygroup.co.uk, or join him on social media. You can be contacted at safraz at pathwaygroup.co.uk. Canny Conversations with the Cause are produced by Pathway Group, who have a mission to change lives through skills and work. And they do this through upskilling and reskilling individuals by getting them firstly into sustainable employment and tackling the talent and skills issues commonly faced by businesses. In addition to their core skills and employability business, Pathway Group also actively promote diversity, equality and inclusion and have initiated causes such as the BAME Apprentice Network, the BAME Apprenticeship Awards and the Festival of Apprenticeships. This is a 1386 audio production.